Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio, 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. And welcome to Inside Sources. It's so good to have you along today. Doug Wright again sitting in on the program. And going on today, this happened just a little earlier. Uh, this was a, a part of the. Um, Hatch Center, the policy arm of the Orange Hatch Foundation, they held a symposium on cybersecurity and geopolitics entitled America's Cyber Resilience in the Digital Age. The keynote speaker was John Sherman, Chief Information Officer of the Intelligence Community and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. And we are delighted to have Mr. Sherman on the line with us. It's uh, great to have you here and welcome to the program. Hi, Doug. It's great to be on as well, and I'm happy to be able to talk to you today. I'd, I'd like our listeners to know exactly why you're here in the state of Utah. I set the stage for that a bit, but what specifically were you addressing at UVU this morning? Well, as mentioned, Senator Hatch and his foundation, in, in concert with UVU, held this symposium on cyber resilience in the digital age. So I want to talk about a few things there to really lay out what I see as the environment that we're facing with that, what we're doing in the intelligence community to answer that challenge, and really to get a call out to the students and other attendees here regarding what we need them to do, whether it's in the government, private sector, or academia, that this is really going to be an all hands-on-deck sort of approach we're going to need. So that's a little bit what I talked about in a keynote, and then I had the privilege to be on a panel discussion with some other real professionals drawn from across other disciplines and other areas from here in Utah. Many of us who were raised in the analog era and are still in the process of migrating into this digital age and the cyber world we're in, where do you see the biggest challenges when you spoke this morning? What are the real issues, and how does the average American deal with some of these security issues. Well, and as this was a great discussion because we did talk about this on the panel. There's really kind of three different levels. There's global, uh, or, you know, in the national geo, international geopolitical arena. There's national and private sector. And then there's personal, how people operate on their own devices. And one of my colleagues on the panel really hit it right the nail on the head that at the personal level, how we operate with our own cybersecurity in terms of good practices and good hygiene, not clicking on links on our emails that we don't know about, uh, making sure our devices have the latest software, and that can resonate all the way up the chain to the national level and our own enterprises, whether it's a government entity or your own business and keeping things up to speed there with very forward-leaning and aggressive hygiene and, and not just letting things stay stale, all the way to the uh, global security level on how we're going to approach this as a nation, which is exactly what we're doing in the intelligence community, making sure we have the very best technology and cybersecurity practices. So it's really an effort up and down the chain, but it starts even with an individual doing personal 
things on their iPhone or, or Samsung or whatever sort of device, laptop they have, and all the way through their professional activities as well. Maybe you could explain for all of us exactly what the Office of the Director of National Intelligence does and what are some of the main missions, obviously, to keep our country secure. But, boy, that's such a moving target in today's world, and it's such a huge target. In the old days, it was, you know, paper. It was, you know, things that we could kind of are tangible, hold in our hands. You could actually physically watch out for. You bet, Doug. Yeah. Uh, The ODNI, our Office of Director of National Intelligence, was established in 2005, and it was a result of the Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act of 2004, which was in the wake of 9-11, to make sure that we were going to be better able to integrate and coordinate the activities in the intelligence community so we wouldn't have gaps that adversaries could exploit and we could really get the 17 agencies of the intelligence community to work together more effectively. Now, the position I encumber, the chief information officer, was established concurrent with that legislation. And along with my colleagues in other parts of ODNI, my portfolio happens to be on the IT and cybersecurity. Really working across that interagency and making sure we're pursuing the same goals to have the best technology for mission, and as I mentioned earlier, cybersecurity. We have a major effort underway called the Information Intelligence Community Information Technology Enterprise, or iSight as we call it, which began as an efficiencies drill to really collapse onto uh, unified IT processes, but really has turned into really leveraging the best technology for mission outcomes. And my job is really to make sure those 17 agencies were swimming in the same direction, collaborating, and using the very best athlete at the best place with the best technology for our nation's security. It's kind of sad because we have had things like 9-11 where you realize, yeah, we're state-of-the-art, and yeah, we have a lot of capable people and equipment, but sometimes if it all isn't coordinated and everyone, as you put it, is kind of swimming in the same direction, it can be a real problem as you look at the cybersecurity world of today and the role that you play and so many others play in it. And I'll word it this way. What causes you to lose sleep at night? Well, a few things. Uh, First and foremost, and as you noted, Doug, is not keeping everybody, when I say heading in the same direction, that's with unity of effort, minimizing the gaps, whether you want to use a metaphor of an athletic team or whatever, that keeps me up a lot. And I spend a tremendous amount of time making sure there are not seams that we are heading in the same direction. Um, The other thing that keeps me up, too, is making sure that we are leveraging the very best technology for our nation's security. I've been in this job two years, hope to be here for a bit longer, but the best thing I can do for whoever my successor is, is to make sure I've set them up on the right path for the best sort of technology and solutions we have in that space. The other thing, frankly, too, and this is a little bit outside cybersecurity, but I take very seriously my stewardship of taxpayer dollars. I grew up in a rural area of South Texas. Many of my high school classmates are still down in Texas working as farmers, oil field workers, and I understand what it means for them to work a double shift and what the the tax dollars they pay and how important that is. And I got, Doug, this is the one thing that has woken me up in the middle of the night, along with some cyber information, too, but making sure we are leveraging the very best technology for the very best bargain for the taxpayer. Um, And I think this is right in keeping with what we should be doing. Often we'll hear about uh, conversations 
in the military? Are we on the cutting edge? Uh, that you know, here in Utah, obviously with Hill Air Force Base, we're always talking about: Do we have the absolute state of the art planes, the the F thirty five, and so on? And we talk about what, uh, for example, the Chinese and others are doing. As you look on in this cyber world, and when we look at the equipment and the knowledge and the abilities that we have, are we on the cutting edge? I would say we absolutely are an intelligence community, and I do work closely with the Department of Defense and Homeland Security and others. I can tell you in the IC, this is one area we're very proud of. We've been pioneers on the national security area of leveraging things like cloud technology at the classified level to really give unparalleled compute power to our analysts and collectors and others that are keeping our nation safe. Also, in terms of cybersecurity, we continue to emphasize that, and we just released a cybersecurity implementation plan uh, to really unify the efforts of the 17 agencies. And our three pillars there are making sure we know our network, we manage our network, and we share the state of our network, which sounds pretty straightforward, but when you're talking about 17 large agencies, that's a critical thing to be doing there. And then finally, and this kind of gets back to what you're saying about 9-11, it really is about data as well, unlocking the power of the intelligence community's data. We do a lot of hard work to collect data against our national security threats with technical means and human means and other things. The last thing we want that that data to do is walk out the back door by some insider threat or other other type of foreign adversary. Um, and also, we need to make sure that that data is discoverable, usable, consen- consistent with the clearance that the person has. And we said for years that data, quote-unquote, is an intelligence community asset, and we're making that real now with the investments we've made over the past year or two to really unlock the power of the IC's data. And that's what's going to help prevent the next 9-11 or the next future attack against our country. We've been delighted to have uh, John Sherman, Chief Information Officer of the Intelligence community in the office of the director of national intelligence and mr sherman i've really appreciated how you've brought it down even to our local levels our local digital devices and so on and giving us some advice then for those who may have just tuned in what can the average person we've talked about the nation securing our nation which is of course such a high priority but when we're just looking to secure ourselves at the very beginning of our conversation you dropped some good tips could you do that again Absolutely. Make sure at the personal level, make sure your device has the latest software on it. If you don't recognize a website or address, don't click on it. There's plenty of what we call phishing or spear phishing where people or malicious entities are trying to send things to you on your email or text, trying to get you to click on something to get your personal information. Be knowledgeable. We live in a digital world, and I think it's incumbent on all of us that we're good digital citizens on understanding how to use our devices, whether it's a cell phone, a laptop, or whatever, but uh, digital hygiene and our security starts at a very personal, local level, and I think we all have a responsibility there. Mr. Sherman, thank you for being our guest here at KSL on Inside Sources. I sincerely hope you enjoyed your stay here in Utah, and come back and join us again soon. Thank you, Doug. It's been a wonderful time here, and best to you and your listeners. Thank have a you. good day. Thank you so much. Chief Information Officer of the Intelligence Community in the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, and we're so pleased that he could join us today. The Hatch Center, the policy arm of the Orange G. Hatch Foundation, uh, hosted a symposium on cybersecurity and ge- geopolitics entitled America's Cyber Resilience in the Digital Age. That was held earlier at UVU. Uh, thank you uh, for joining us today on Inside Sources. 
We've got a great program planned for you. We've got a lot coming up. And there was something that happened with Ellen DeGeneres and former President George W. Bush. We're going to share what uh, what came about, some of the criticism that came from that for Ellen herself and her response. That's coming up next here on Inside Sources. I'm Doug Wright. Thanks for being with us.